If you have your Bibles this morning, would you open to Romans chapter 8? And if you want to uh, look right on with the scriptures for yourself, uh, probably there's a Bible in the back of the pew in front of you. It's going to also be up on the screen. Uh, As Pastor Greg said earlier, we're in a a series called Transform. Now, here's the big idea of this series. It's God's part and our part in experiencing supernatural life in Christ. Now, um, there's only one person who's actually lived supernatural life in Christ, and that was Christ. Yeah. See, we can't live that life on our own. Nobody has the, the energy, the faith, the endurance, the joy, the peace, the forgiveness, the hope. On our own, we don't have that. But Jesus does. And the amazing truth of the Bible is that every believer in Christ has Jesus living inside of them. And so what we're talking about is how we live a life where Jesus thinks through our minds and speaks through our mouths and loves through our hearts and lives supernatural life through our bodies. There's God's part and and there's our part. And and that's what we're unpacking in this uh, series. So today what we're talking about is the truest thing about you is what God says is true. You've been listening over the past 12 years. Yeah, uh, for those of you who are guests here today, this is one of my life messages, this, this statement. The truest thing about you is what God says is true. I, I really believe that because it's based upon a principle, and principle is this. You can actually think something's true and sincerely think it's true, but it not be true. You can interpret reality in a certain way that to you, that's reality, but in fact, it's not actually true. Reality. Think about if you signed up for one of these medical trials you hear about on the, on the, on the radio that, 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 that they do, and, and they were monitoring a new, a new drug therapy, and uh, part of the side effects of the drug therapy is that it gave you hallucinations. And so part of your being in the trial is that a medical scientist kind of walked with you post-receiving the medication in case any of these hallucinations took place. So you sign up for the medical trial, you take the drug, and in fact, you start having some hallucinations. And to you, you start hallucinating certain things that to you seem true. It's what you see, it's what you feel, it's what you hear. But you see, you have the medical scientist with you to say, no, that's not reality. It's an hallucination. You think it's reality, but it's not It's an hallucination. So now you're forced to have to make a decision to what you believe, your perception or what the medical scientist has told you. But see, they they, they informed you before you took the the trial that hallucination is a part of the post-side effect uh, reality. So to live accurately, truthfully, you know, and and successfully, you've got to put your faith in the medical scientist, not just in your perception. Because it's possible to have a perception of reality, but your perception's wrong. Your perception's wrong. Now, the Bible says that this is definitely true because we are influenced by a fallen world system. This world is not the way God created it to be. Sin has entered into the world. Deception has entered into the world. Darkness has entered into the world, and there's an actual spiritual, cosmic spiritual enemy of God that seeks to, according to Jesus, kill, steal, and destroy. So we, on a daily basis, are, are forced to make decisions about the way we understand reality. 
And the truest thing is what God says is true. The truest thing is what God says is true. There's every other voice, every other perception, every other ideology, every other input, and there's what God says is true. And what God says is true is true truth. So the truest thing about you is what God says is true about you. It's truer than how you feel. It's truer than what your parents told you. It's truer than what your prayer group tells you. It's truer than what the media tells you. It's truer than what the lies of the enemy tell you. The truest thing is what God says is true. Now, this is so important as we think about this concept of being transformed because you know what God says is true about every believer in Jesus Christ? Every person who said yes to Jesus, you know what God says is true? God says you are unconditionally and perfectly loved by God in Christ. The truest thing about you is that you are perfectly loved by God in Christ. And when that truth fills your thoughts and heart, that truth transforms. That truth changes everything. Jesus said in John chapter 8, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. When you understand what God loves you, you're set free. You're, you're transformed to live supernatural life in Christ. This is what God says is true about his love for us. Romans chapter 8. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And those he glorified, he also Kentucky fried. And those he Kentucky fried, he also refried. I just, I just threw that in there. It's not in there. We've been justified, glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? No. Hardship? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Danger? No. Sword? No. Divorce? No. Heartache? No. Sickness? No. Bankruptcy? No. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. And we're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is, this is such an awesome passage, a scripture. If God didn't say it was true, we'd never think it was true. It's the truest thing about us though. See, the truest thing about us is that in Christ, we are perfectly and unconditionally loved. And when we embrace that truth, we experience transformation. We experience the supernatural life that Christ came to give us, wants to give us, wants to live in us and through us when we believe 
what God says is true about us. We're unconditionally and we're perfectly loved. Now, I, I got so many things to say about this. I, I've had to narrow it down to six observations. But this is just, you know, pastor stuff. I was able to alliterate these six observations with P's. And anytime you can alliterate your message with a P as a pastor, I mean, it's like, you know, Holy Spirit miracle, right? So, truth thing about us is what God says is true. God says we're perfectly loved. Number one, God's love for us is providential in Christ. God's love for us, providential in Christ. Verse 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. God's love for us is providential in Christ. Providence is a word that, that means God's sovereignty in history, God's sovereignty in action, God being in charge, working out that authority through history, nations, kings, people, individual choices. The sovereignty of God is at work through all the good and the bad and the ugly of life, through our free personal choices. I mean, it, it's philosophically mind-blowing to try to figure out but God's in charge, and the truth of his being in charge is being worked out right now, and because he loves us so much, it's being worked out for our good. All things God causes to work for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God's love for us in Christ is, is providential. The, the, the word causes all things to work together for good. It, it's the, the Greek word soon ergeo. Ergeo is the energizing work of God, the preposition soon is to work together. So God, in his energizing work, causes all the circumstances of life to work together for good because he loves us. See, the, the, the part of this passage that is really important that we can maybe misread is to think it says all things work together for good or to say, think it says all things are good. Now, all things aren't good. A lot of things suck, in the Greek, that's sakao. But let me tell you, <laughs> not everything is good. And things just don't kind of magically work for good. God causes all things to work for good because he's in charge and because he loves us. That's the providential love of God. He's in charge and he loves us, so he causes all things to work together for good. That's how powerful God's love is. That's how meaningful God's love is. That's how personal God's love is. I would imagine in, in an audience this size, probably about over, over 500 people here in this service, there's a bunch of things going on that we wish were not going on in our lives. And, and some of them may be just kind of mundane and others really tragic. That's, that's, that's life. The good news for the follower of Jesus Christ is God's love is so great, so authoritative, so providential that he can even take all that stuff and cause it to work for the good. See, God's love for us in Christ, it's, it's providential. Um, if you were to bake a cake, and believe it or not, I've actually baked cakes before. I told the folks in the, in the last service, I, I, when I was a senior in high school, I took a class called Bachelor Living. <laughs> bachelor Living. We, we learned how to sew, hand sew, hand stitch, use a sewing machine. I, I made an apron. And we learned how to cook. 
we learned how to follow a recipe and cook. And one of the things we had to do is bake a cake. Now, if you were to bake a cake, you put out all the ingredients of the cake. In and of themselves, not every one of those ingredients is, is a great tasting product. I mean, you don't put your hand in a big thing of flour and go, oh man, that's awesome. No. You, unless you want to be like Rocky, you don't eat raw eggs. But eggs and flour are part of the ingredients in a cake. But see, a master baker knows how much of each ingredient is necessary, knows what order you put those ingredients together, knows how to mix those ingredients in a way that it's a, pop, a, a proper texture, knows how much heat to apply and how long the heat should be applied. And when all those things come together, what you got is a cake that tastes great. Well, you know what? We're the cake. We, the cake. And God is the master baker. And he's the one who can take all the different ingredients, put them together in a way they're supposed to be put together. Bake it even when we don't feel like being baked. But what comes out? A cake that you want to eat and that's, that's great. See, only God could do that. And he does it because of his providential love. It's a love that cares very deeply for each of us, but it's a love that is able to take all the things of our lives and cause them to be mixed together in a way that, that it works for the good. See, God loves us, and, and his love for us is providential. Here's a second observation. God's love for us is purposeful in Christ. It's purposeful. I mean, when, he, when we embrace this stuff, see, it's transforming. And, and, and we're able to understand God's part and then step into our part to experience supernatural life in Christ. The truest thing about us is what God says is true. God says we're perfectly, unconditionally loved. And describing that love, it's purposeful love in Christ. Romans chapter 8. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. See, God's love for us is committed to the purpose of making us like Jesus. See, the good that God is working all things for is to make us like Jesus Christ. He wants to conform us to the very image of Jesus Christ. Every follower of Jesus, you, you hear that message of grace and God's offer of forgiveness. You say yes to Jesus. You take that step. We call it crossing the line. You receive Jesus Christ into your life. That's the first step followed by a bunch of other steps that move towards a purpose and that purpose is becoming more and more like Jesus. God is purposefully conforming us to the image of his, his son. And it's, it's uh, the, the word that Paul uses here is he, he takes the word morphe, which means the outer form of the inner reality. He puts the preposition soon, soon morphe. God is using all the stuff to work together to form us to be like Christ, to think like Christ, to love like Christ, to talk like Christ, to live like Christ, to become in every way more and more 
like Christ. That's this great purpose that God ha- has for our lives. God is making us like Christ. So that's a very um, hope-filled truth. This is a very hope-filled truth because if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, you are becoming more like Christ. Because God says that's what he's doing in your life. And the truest thing about you is what God says is true. Now, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you the actual factual truth about this. Some of us are becoming more like Christ in a greater way and in a shorter period of time. And others of us are becoming more like Christ, but it's having less of an impact and it's taking longer. See, because there's God's part and there's our part. If we are resisting what God's doing, if we are being stubborn towards God causing all things to work together for good, if we're not teachable, if we're not humble, if we're not engaging with God, if we're not abiding in Christ, what we're doing is we are hindering God's part of making us more like Christ. But every believer in Jesus Christ is becoming more like Christ. It's the truest thing about us because it's what God is moving everything towards because his love for us is purposeful. Now, there's a flip side to this truth. It, it, it's hopeful because I can say, man, I, I'm not yet who I want to be, but I'm not who I'm used to be either. I'm becoming more like Christ. Flip side is, um, God's purposeful love prioritizes our holiness over our happiness. Did you get that? See, I'm not saying God doesn't want us to be happy. There's a lot of scriptures that talk about being happy, being blessed, being joyful. But in terms of God's purpose for our lives, becoming holy is more of a priority than being happy. See, and sometimes pursuing being happy is in antithesis to being holy. See, sometimes you can try to be happy, but your pursuit of trying to be happy robs you of the very things that would make you holy. And being made holy is becoming more like Jesus. And what, God, what does God want to do? What's his great purpose for our lives? Make us more like Jesus. So his love for us is making us more like Jesus. But in the process, becoming more like Jesus may not always be the most happy thing that we experience. I'm just trying to be truthful. I wish I could be happy and holy at the same time, and often I can be, but sometimes I can't. But God is always committed to making me holy because he wants to make me like Jesus, and he wants to make you like Jesus. And the truest thing about us is what God says is true, and God says his love for us is purposeful. His love for us is purposeful. Uh, A few years back, uh, Donna and I were able to go visit are Italian missionaries, the Georgies. They live in Florence. He pastors a church, runs a seminary. Uh, we were able to do ministry with their men and women and they do a whole family camp with the church. And, and while we were in Florence, uh, Andrea, uh, our, our missionary, uh, took us to go see the uh, statue of David uh, carved by 
Michelangelo. It's really impressive. You know, it's kind of cool seeing this, this work of art. Michelangelo said this. I start with a large block of stone, and I picture David in it. And then I chipped away everything that wasn't David. That's what God does. He sees us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. And then throughout our lives, his purposeful love chips away everything that isn't part of that image. God's love for us, it's, it's purposeful in Christ. He has a purpose for our lives. He's called us to a purpose. He's, he's leading us to experience that purpose. His love guarantees that that purpose is ultimately fulfilled. God loves you with a purposeful love in Jesus Christ. It's the truest thing about you because God says it's true. Here's a third observation about God's love. God's love for us is protective in Christ. It's protective in Christ. Romans chapter 8, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, and more than that, who was raised to life, He's at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And the implied answer is no. You can't do it. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. See, God's love for us is protective. God chose you. He committed himself to you. He died for you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. And he he has a protective love for each one of us in Christ. Now, Just a little Bible study, looking at this little section that I just read. This is observation, seeing kind of what's said. Observe the direct and the implied statements of truth. The direct and implied statements of truth. God is for us. No one can be against us. No one can bring a charge against us. God chose us. God justifies us. Christ died and rose again for us. Christ intercedes for us. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Each one of those statements are true, true for you in Christ, because God says they're true. And see, Jesus said you should know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. When you begin to open up your head and your heart to the truth and believe the truth, And this truth of God's love and all that it means, that's life transforming. God's God's love for us is protective in Christ. Paul asserts here, God is for us. Four words. God is for us. God is for you. God is not against you. God is not dispassionate towards you. No, God is for you. You know, we got the Super Bowl coming up here in in, uh, a a short amount of time, and you got referees in in the football game. And you know the the calls that referees make can literally determine the outcome of a game. Literally. At, At critical junctures, a call one way or the other way can totally change the outcome of a game. Now, 
Think about this. There could be a referee that is actually biased against a team to make calls against them. That would influence the outcome of the game. Or there could be a referee who was completely objective in the way they made calls for both teams. That could influence the outcome of a game. Or there could be a ref that was biased for you, for your team, making calls for you. And that would influence the outcome of a game. See, Paul says here, God isn't against us. God isn't just objectively dispassionate towards us. No, God is for us. He's biased for us. See, the lie of the enemy is to tell us that either God's against me or God doesn't care about me. Those are lies. And if we believe those lies, it will stunt our transformation in Christ. See, the truth that sets us free, the truest thing about us is what God says is true. What God says is he's for us. God is for us. His love is is protective. He's he's for us and he says because of that, see, the truth that Paul is kind of connecting is because God is for us, nothing can really be against us. See, you can put everything that you can think of. Let's just draw a line. And on this side, everything that you could think of that could be against you. Everything in heaven and on earth. Everything that Satan could throw at you. Everything that your worst enemy could throw at you. Everything that, you know, the, the, the government could throw at you. Everything that, that the economy could throw at you. Everything that circumstances, fate, your bad choices, you name it. All of this stuff that could be against you. And then on this side, you put God. And in comparison, the Bible says there's no comparison because <laughs> nothing can stand against God. God. God overcomes everything. God is victorious over everything. God is superior to everything. So if God is for you, nothing. Nothing can be against you. Now again, a little Bible study, observation. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if you're, a, if you're a, a regular Bible reader, you've probably discovered that you've read passages multiple times and, and you see something new in the passage. You didn't make it up. It didn't get inserted overnight. You just didn't notice it the, when you read it before. Here's something I didn't notice when I read this before, but it really stood out to me as I read it this time. Um, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No, no one. Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God and also intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who, 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 who? Not what, 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 what? See, later on, there's a description of all the what's. But what he's highlighting here is the who. Do you know there is a who that is opposing you in Christ? There is a who that wants to steal, kill, and destroy your relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a who that wants to deceive you about God's love for you. The Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 5 that our adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Be on your guard to resist him. Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. There is a who. There really is a who that lies to us and tries to rob us of living in the fullness of Christ's love and in the transformation of supernatural life that Jesus wants to produce within us. And what the Apostle Paul says here is that who cannot stand up against God because God is for us. God is for us. Now, um, you, you know if you've been coming to Crossline for a while, I'm kind of a movie buff. I love watching uh, uh, movies. I love watching TV. Uh, and, I, and I love quoting movie lines. In fact, there's a, there's a group of us family members and a few friends that I will, quite often, in fact, I actually did this this morning, I will text a quote of a movie line, and it's, it's kind of like a little game, and the implication is you've got to guess what movie that's from. Well, I, I, I texted even this morning a, a quote from a, a movie, and the movie is Guardians of the Galaxy. And, and you know, I'm not sitting here trying to promote that you ought to go see it. I just think it's a funny movie, and, and I laugh. I've seen it several times. I laugh every time I see it. There's a scene in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's one of these kind of sci-fi movies about these superheroes, but they're a ragtag bunch of weird, you know, cosmic creatures. And uh, there's this character in Guardians of the Galaxy that is a, a computer-generated raccoon. That's what he is. He's a, he's a raccoon. His name is Rocket. And uh, he, they, the, the group of the Guardians of the Galaxy get thrown into this penal colony, and they walk into this room, and they're all these, like, you know, the worst prisoners of the universe all there. And Rocket stands up and says, okay, my name's Rocket, and I'm in charge. And they all kind of get intimidated and listen to him, because behind Rocket is Rocket's bodyguard, and, and, and he's also a computer-generated creature called Groot. And all he can say is, I am Groot. That's, he, he says it throughout the whole you know, movie. I am Groot. I am Groot. But he's this big wood-like creature that can take on anybody and everything and defeat any foe and win every fight. And because he was standing behind Rocket when Rocket said, I'm in charge, they looked past Rocket to Groot, and they went, okay, you're in charge. Okay, you think, JP, really? That's the illustration you're using for this? Yeah, that's it. So, we're like Rocket. And God got our backs. God is for us. It didn't matter who we're facing or what we're facing. God is for us. Who can be against us? Who can be against us? Who can be against us? God is for us. You see, the love that God has for us in Christ is a protective love. God protects us. God fights for us. As we, we sing in worship, he's, he's the lion of Judah. He's fighting our battles. God is for us. The protective love of God for us in Christ. Here's a fourth observation. God's love for us is provisional in Christ. Provisional in Christ. Verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. Here, here's, here's the apostle's logic. God loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus to sacrificially die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. God demonstrated his love. He showed us how much he loved us. He gave Jesus to sacrifice for us. 
And it's like, so gang, if God loved you so much that he'd send Jesus to die for you, don't you think he loves you enough to take care of you now? That's the point. It's a rhetorical question. And the answer is, well, of course he does. But we have to remind ourselves of that, don't we? We have to remind ourselves about it all the time. Again, we got the Super Bowl coming up. I, I don't even know if there's any tickets left available. I, I do know that if you could get tickets for the Super Bowl, it probably cost you a whole lot of money, and you'd have to pull every connection possible to try to get them. Let's say you get a call from a friend says, listen, I cashed in all favors. You don't even know, you know all the details. I got 50-yard line seats for us to go to the Super Bowl. And I got our air, uh, airline tickets. I got our hotel arranged. It's all covered. I got you covered. So you go, man, unbelievable. So he picks you up. The limo takes you to the airport. You fly to the city. You get out. You go to your hotel. You get up in the morning. You got your tickets. You go in. You get into the Super Bowl. You, you walk in. It's unbelievable. You go and you sit in your 50-yard line seats, and you're looking around, and it's about 12 or 1 o'clock, and all of a sudden, you start getting fidgety. And, and I don't know. And, and your buddy goes, what are you doing? I'm just so worried. Well, what are you worried about? I don't know. It's lunchtime and I'm hungry. I just, I just don't know if we're going to be able to get anything to eat. And the guy looks at you and goes, seriously? Like, I, I got 50-yard line seats at the Super Bowl. I got your airline. I got your hotel. You don't think I can spring for a hot dog and a Coke? See? That is what we do with God. He, he loved us so much. He sent his son Jesus to die for us. He forgives us of all of our sins. He guarantees heaven towards us. He says nothing will separate you from the love of God. And then we worry about whether we're going to get a hot dog and a Coke on a given day. See, God loves us so much that he provides all that we need, and more. He provides all that we need and more. God's love for us, is, it's, it's provisional. Just ask him. Tell him what you need. Ask him. He loves you. See, Jesus said this in, in Luke chapter 11. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If every, everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door's opened. Uh, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, our Heavenly Father is a how much more giver. His love for us in Christ is provisional. He provides for us. Paul says it this way in, in Romans 8. He, he, won't he just graciously give us all things? He takes the word grace, which is the Greek word charis, and he makes it into a verb, charizomai. He graces us with grace for everything we need. God's love for us in Christ is provisional. Here's a fifth observation. God's love for us is powerful in Christ. It's powerful. Verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So in the midst of all these things, trials and difficulties and pressures and 
unfulfilled expectations and you, you, you name it, in the midst of when it seems like the worst, the truest thing about you is what God says is true. You're more than a conqueror. See, it's like, well, wait a minute. I, I don't know if I want to believe that. Well, see, that's the old hallucination medical scientist. You've got to make a decision. What am I going to believe? How I feel, what I see, what other people tell me, or what God says is true? And God says the truest thing about us is because of his love, we are more than conquerors. It's, it's one term in Greek. Hupernike. Nike, which we might say in English, Nike, means victor or conqueror. So when you put your Nikes on, man, you, you're, you're victory. You're, you're a conqueror. Hupernike is super conqueror. It's kind of like, you know, the age-old struggle, you know, used to, uh, you know, who would really win, Batman or Superman? Superman! He's Superman! <laughs> Hooper-man! See, we are super-Christians in Christ, super-victors in Christ, super-conquerors in Christ. Why? Because of God's love. It's, it's that powerful love operating in our lives that leads us to victory in Jesus Christ. Ultimate victory in Jesus Christ. It, it's like, um, Greg, you can appreciate this because you're a gamer. I, I'm not a big gamer, but I know in these video games they, they, that you, whatever it is, you, when you do certain things, you, you like, you get some kind of power or you get some kind of extra oomph or you get something because you, you know, you, you, you conquered the obstacle or you crossed, you jumped that jump or you did whatever it is and then something, you receive it and having that enables you to take on everything else, right? So when we receive Christ, we got from God his unstoppable love, his powerful love, his conquering love and now because of God's love for us, we're more than conquerors over anything. We're ultimate victors, Hupernike. It's the truest thing about us because God says it's true. And when we understand that truth and we embrace that truth and we reflect on that truth, it transforms our lives and we step into supernatural life in Jesus Christ. Here's one, one last observation about God's love. God's love for us is permanent in Christ. It's permanent. Lasts forever. It's eternal. Nothing can ever stop it. Paul closes out this great chapter, Romans 8, and says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love can never be diminished taken away, or separated from us. Ever. It's permanent. God's love for you in Jesus Christ is permanent. Your sin won't stop it. Devil's, the devil's lies can't stop it. The world's pressures can't take it away. God's love for you in Jesus Christ is, is permanent. God could not love you more than he loves you right now. And he will never love you any less. 
He couldn't love you more, and he'll never love you any less in Jesus Christ because his love is permanent. Not death, life, angels, demons, fears, worries, powers, pressures, or even hell can take away the love of Christ for us. It's a missions agency, New Tribes Missions, that engages with people groups that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and builds a relationship of love and learns their language and then translates their language into the Bible and then shares the message of God's love. New Tribes Missions reports about a particular African tribe and their language had all of the verbs in the language. They ended with the sound of an I, an A, or a U. And the verb for love only had the ending of an I and an A, but not a U. So the missionaries gathered the elders of this tribe to help them translate the language. And they asked, could you devi your wife, love your wife, ending with an I? Yes, they answered. That would mean that the wife had been loved, but the love is gone. Well, could you deva your wife? Yes, they responded. That kind of love depends on the wife's actions. She would be loved as long as she remained faithful and took good care of her husband. Well, could you devu your wife? Everyone in the room laughed. All the elders of the village laughed. No, of course not, they replied. If you said that, you would have to keep on loving your wife no matter what she did. Even if she never served you or wasn't faithful to you and committed adultery, you would have to keep on devuing her. That just doesn't exist. The missionary sat quietly for a while, and then he asked, could God devu his people? There was complete silence for three or four minutes, and then tears began to roll down the cheeks of the village elders. Finally, one man responded, do you know what this would mean? It would mean that God kept loving us over and over, even if we rejected him. And even if we sinned against him, he would be compelled to love us. Nothing could ever stop him from loving us. God devoos us. God loves us. And nothing can ever stop God from loving us. See, the truest thing about us is what God says is true. It transforms us when we understand that. The truth sets us free. And what God says, the truest thing about you is that you are perfectly loved in Jesus Christ. You are perfectly loved in Christ. And that truth sets us free. Would you pray with me? I, I, I pray, Father, I, I pray for every person here that their heart would be very open to your love. We'd be eager to receive your love. We'd be eager to, to believe the truth, 
to believe that the truest thing about us is what you say is true. I pray for every person here, wherever they have been, whatever's happening in their life, wherever they are in their spiritual journey, that this morning, right now, they'd believe that they are perfectly loved by God in Christ. And they'd receive that love into their hearts. Change our lives, God. Change this church. May the future of this church forever be changed by the love that you have for us in Jesus Christ. May we believe that. May that transform the way we see reality, the way we understand truth, the way we see people, the way we see ourselves. God, make us just like Jesus by your love. May we receive and live out the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. And I pray that for every person here. In Jesus' name, amen.